morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 58. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver, and I almost forgot what episode it was, and I'm here with my (laughs) co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? Doing great. It's a great day. Great morning. I hope all of our listeners are going well. Uh, yeah, it's just, just a good Friday. That's good. I'm happy yeah. to hear that. So our listenership's continuing to grow. And so with these new people coming in, I got to keep giving the reminder. So the reminder is this. If you think that there's somebody in your life that you would like to see get more driven, share the show, share it with them and tell them to listen to one episode. Tell them to listen to a quick hit. They're only five minutes, but they give you a flavor and then come back and hit them with the meat and potatoes that me and Dan get into every Sunday morning. And the bigger this community gets, the better we're all going to get within it because we're all about leading by example and learning from each other and raising each other's standards and holding each other accountable. So with that, Dan, what's our fun fact for the day? Yeah, so I have a piece of interesting news that is car-related but weird. Uh, and then also I, I, I want to input just a quick topic conversation that directly affects what Arun and I do in the automotive industry and what this could potentially mean. So the first piece, the weird news, um, this is straight from uh, my backyard here in Nebraska. There was a Nebraska man in Norfolk, Nebraska. It's about two hours northwest of where I am in Omaha. Um, He's been an absolute menace to this small town. He cut away like a 90s Taurus. Not the round nose one, Arun. The one that's got like the really skinny headlights up front. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Uh, He cut like half of this like the roof off and the windshield (laughs) and this dude's riding around with a prized bull. Yep, (laughs) I saw this. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. So listeners, you got to look up Nebraska man driving around with bull. Yes. On Google it's crazy. (laughs) It's not a small bull either. It's amazing. The car actually moves a hundred percent with that thing in it. (laughs) The the worst part about it is like you can tell like as he's driving, this thing is just crapping all over the car. And like it's it's like when someone throws up out of a car, like it ends up all over the panels. It looks just like that. Oh, no. But this is very this is a very Nebraskan thing to do. And (laughs) and my wife is going up to Norfolk uh, next week. And I'm like, you got to see if you can find the bull guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So that's my weird, uh, you know, news of the day. But the the big one that I kind of want to touch on is the potential for the UAW strike. And why I want to talk about this is. Because the car market as it sits today is already, it's already kind of high in my opinion, as far as vehicle costs go. And, you know, my parents are looking for a new car now and my dad's like flabbergasted. He can't find anything cheaper than 50 grand. That's halfway decent. And and I don't blame him. So the UAW in Detroit is planning to strike all three major automakers in the u.s which is insane 
Um, they're demanding a 46% wage increase, um, a four-day work week at full-time pay, and a share of company profits. So if that's any, aggressive. Yeah, if any of that goes through or even remotely close, I mean, can you think about how that's going to affect car prices and yeah. what that's going to mean for you and I in this industry? Because that means your repair costs are going to go up because parts are going to be more expensive dealerships aren't going to want to be spending any more money on cars because people are already going to be shell shocked by sticker prices. Um, so, and if, and if they do strike, that means they're going to quit making cars until that strike is done. Yeah. Which is, you know, it, we're really seeing how that goes with the Hollywood strike mm-hmm. and how the movie Gran Turismo, the release was delayed. You can see there's a lot of continuity issues because they basically didn't finish recording it and then right. just put it out anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting. And, and I did want to mention, for me, it's okay because people are going to keep fixing the cars that they have instead of buying new ones. Yeah, um, and, and your side of the auto industry might be benefited from this but my side that I also have in the enthusiast sector where people are just not going to be spending as much money. However, sure. this is something I've been thinking about recently as I look at house prices in my area, which are impossible. Like mm-hmm. is it is twice or more expensive to buy a house than it is to rent. Yep. So what's the point? Uh, but if they doubled the length of a mortgage, that would no longer be the case. <laughs> To a 60-year? Holy cow. Yeah. So imagine a 60-year mortgage. Your payment would be pretty low. I mean... But it would enable a person in their 20s to buy a house. And they probably wouldn't hold it for 60 years. No. But the bank would just own it the whole time they owned it. Yeah. I I mean, you can essentially say that's what's happened with the auto industry with their loans. That's exactly where I was going to go with this. Yeah. The auto industry has already started doing this because... I had an 84-month loan on mm-hmm. my truck. And obviously, I drove it 20,000 miles in a year. So I was immediately upside down in, on it, <laughs> right <laughs> on that loan because I wasn't paying off the principal nearly fast enough. Right. I've now paid off the entire loan. I paid it off in 15 months. Right. But, <laughs> but, you, but you went into that knowing... But when you have these cars that I would almost deem a three to four year throwaway car, yeah, and and they're taking an eighty four month loan on it, they're getting hammered on on negative equity. Like there's no way. Yep. However, it is just going to be the fact that people are going to need to change the way they look at cars. Sure. Or the alternative is used car financing gets better. Yep. Appreciation is going to keep doing what it's doing. So people are going yeah. to have to start financing older and older cars mm-hmm. and fixing them. So it's going to be up to companies like Woodside Credit, Premier Financial Services, companies that know cars mm-hmm. to write more loans. Yeah. And the banks that know nothing about cars are going to get screwed because people are going to be abandoning their F-150s with 543 valve Tritons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. I have one at the shop with 375,000 miles. Ooh. It's actually, it, I don't know how many motors it's had, but probably. I was going to say, it can't three. be original. <laughs> yeah, three or four. But uh, 
yeah, dude, your thought on a on a six year mortgage is interesting because a house that might be doable just just because you know housing values are not gonna go down. Yeah, but if, if they do, not enough. As cars continue to have software and computers in them, we already know the life of an average computer is like four years, probably. Yeah. So if we're talking about, you know, and my Tesla, my wife's Tesla already has decent amount of, not a decent amount, but some software glitches here and there. And it just kind of. Mine does. My car has them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then as we go to EV, you know, how long do the batteries last? It's just, it's an interesting thing to see where the, where, you know, where the unions are going with this. I, you know. I see pros and cons of unions on both sides. Um, I just think that, in my opinion, they're asking for a little bit too much out of the manufacturers, and they should probably simmer down before they ruin an entire industry. I mean, it it sounds like corporate wokeism at its fine. A four four day work week is it four tens or is it? I would assume it would be four tens. Yeah, yeah, that's still full time. So I get that. Yeah, I at least I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, my thing is the people I've hired at my shop, I've paid them all exactly what they asked for or more. Right. (laughs) But I expect good performance out of them. Right. And that's the part where the unions kind of fall short is they don't, they're so powerful. You don't need to hold, you can't hold them to any specific high standard. Right, and no, it's not a forty-hour work week. It's a thirty-two-hour work week. Interesting. I got nothing to say about that. Then, uh, yeah. I, uh, anyway, that that's my little bit of a of a topic I wanted to bring in because I thought it's it was upsetting. interesting. It is. It is upsetting, and, and I really hope it doesn't come to a full-blown strike. And I hope. The auto manufacturers kind of stand their ground a little bit, and they need to on this one. Yeah, but then also, I've I like used cars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would really if see... I I would buy used if it was the right right car. So you would buy used if it was. The oh right yeah, car. yeah. I think I think people really like the experience of buying a new car and everything oh, that I do. comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you get kind of in that ecosystem. And if you have enough equity in a car, then you're fine. And if you do what I do and you just keep scraping the bottom of the barrel, (laughs) but I mean, you know, my truck was the only car recently I've bought from a new car dealership and I got a warranty on it. Not not that it's been very helpful to me, but (laughs) it, you know, that's a, it's the newest vehicle that I own and it is eight or more eight plus years old with 120,000 miles on it now. <laughs> it's really not that bad though. Yeah. But so for anyways, a diesel, not that bad. Oh yeah. Not, no, it's, it's, it's a baby. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you got, um, you got like 400,000 miles to go before you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, as long as the CP three doesn't explode. <laughs> True. <laughs> we're not there yet. I have, I have Jake to thank for that so far, I believe. Yeah. Um, 
but what did I want to say about this? Basically, you, you know, I don't feel, I don't have a lot of sensitivity to the new car market, both mm-hmm. in my business and in my personal life, because I just would prefer to buy used. If you look at the majority of the country where we're at right now in terms of how much a car costs, most people are buying used. Most people have to buy used. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. And if I can educate people on how to appropriately buy used, then I think I'll have done a good service. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about it for me on that topic for now. I think, I, I mean, that's kind of my like solution to the worst case scenario is just yeah, well, don't, pro- don't even look at new cars. Problem is, is people like to have their status symbol of a new car. Anyone pretty much upper middle class and forward. Yeah. No more Escalades in all the suburban driveways. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's all Tahoes and Yukons. And Escalades. Yeah. I was in I was in Texas last week and I went with my colleague to drop his kids off at their Episcopal school. In oh gosh, North Dallas. That's a very oh, yeah. suburban neighborhood, and uh-huh. we were we were in his rented Rav Four, but his wife has an X Seven M Fifty I. Just stop. And, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to hear anymore. <laughs> and the line was all Denali's Escalades, Infinity QX Sixties, mm-hmm. um, Audis, Mercedes, everything else, Q Sevens, GLEs, GLSs. It was hilarious. It was actually really entertaining just to watch that parking lot move very slowly through the school drop-off line. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, speaking of the school drop-off line, Dan, your bring-a-trailer car for this week does not belong in the school drop-off line. Ah, it's all good news. <laughs> you, you held your Yours <laughs> isn't either, but it would sure look cool doing it. You might i don't know what your what your thoughts are on this car okay so yours is a 2001 audi tt 225 quattro six speed with forty-eight thousand miles on sale in new york by 1600 veloci who is a premier bring a trailer seller with the incredible silver pictures. one the silver one yeah Pictures are amazing. It, you know, that's probably one of the ugliest generation of TTs in my opinion. <laughs> but I do like them. Uh, man, yeah, that is a clean car. It, it's, it looks really nice. Manual. And the interior is actually quite aggressive. Yeah. You're coming around to it. If you look at the pictures, I still hate. I hate that. I don't know what it is about these years of Audis. I just, I, I couldn't get behind them. You don't like the uh, black housing headlights? Those are sweet. I'll <laughs> give them that. Yeah, those are awesome. And I think I don't know if it was still in 2001 that they actually had true Quattro still. Because now they don't. They just call it Quattro. What does that mean? Uh, True Quattro. They've got like a difference between 
Quattro and Haldex systems for the all-wheel drive. So there's oh, see, apparently see, a I difference. I, I can't get into technical specs because I don't know them, but there is a difference. Basically the manufacturer of the... Yeah, and they say that yeah. the older ones are better. So, All right. you know, this is a cl- very clean TT. I would drive it. I hate the wheels on it. Mm-hmm. It's not my year, but I would I would drive one. I wouldn't buy one. Would you spend the current bid of ten thousand dollars on it? Mm, it's uh, it's probably worth about that, to be honest. <laughs> so you think that's your final guess? I mean, without it being any sort of special edition TT, I don't. Isn't a two twenty five special? Slightly special. A slightly special, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the not more powerful one. Yeah, it's not crazy. Um. Man, I bet man, I don't even want to come off of ten grand. <laughs> All right. Uh, we can leave it there. Peg it there. Uh, I I might leave it there. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> I in here and here's why. The okay. last bid was on September second. And today's the eighth. And today's the eighth. <laughs> and, and I just, it, it's a 10 grand car to me. Do I think it could get a couple more grand out of it? Yes, but I, I don't, with three bids a day to go, I maybe someone out there is crazy enough to spend a little bit more. There's a comment. The, the first, so here might be why we're having trouble getting bids. There's a comment from, a bidder who's had, who's made multiple requests to see the car in person, but they're still waiting for somebody to get back to them. Uh, Only available to view by appointment today. And he has not heard back. Mm. Yeah. And then like there was one sold in March for 14. So yeah, it's probably a 10 to 15 grand car, but probably on the lower end of that. So yeah, I'm going to stick with 10. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call it as it is. I respect that. What do you got for me? So I think you sent me a photo of something similar to this a while ago. I didn't find the the picture of it. I said I think it was you. Um, this is a 1983. Why do you keep giving me cars from the 80s? I, <laughs> I don't just, know. I don't know them. <laughs> uh, this one you might know. Okay. BMW. Porsche. Nope. 911 SC Coupe, 3.2 liter twin plug, safari style. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I sent you a picture of one of these. Yeah, I just love it. It's the right color. Wheels look good. Everything about it just looks good. It's got 144,000 miles shown. Uh, To me, it's really clean. Like, I don't know if I'd want to drive this kind of clean. Well, so you know what's interesting is I know the sellers of the last Safari that went through. They're my client, mm-hmm. group, group two in yep. Woodenville. And theirs went for 130 which was their reserve. Okay. So they met reserve. Okay. Barely. Um, this one has a roof scoop. It has headlights mounted to 
the front bonnet instead of on a bash bar, but it uh-huh. also has a bash bar. Yeah. I think the lift looks a little better. The interior is not as kind of edgy as group twos was. Yeah. This one's interior wise is fairly minimalistic in my opinion. The motor, I I don't know. I don't remember if the motor on the other one was carbureted still. I don't believe it was. So this one might have a different motor in it. It very well could. Um, okay, well, so I am going to say... So the current bid's 114500 There's one day left on the auction. 144,000 miles. Pretty similar to the Group 2 car. So mm-hmm. I'll just... Mm, I'll just I'll say a one. I'll I'll do one thirty again. Okay. Let's just see see what we All do right. on that. I, I I really think you're in the right ballpark with this one. It dude, it's the right color. I I think that the lights on the bonnet are. I think they're actually placed better in my opinion. They look kind of dope. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like it just it caught my eye. The 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 roof scoop's cool. I I would assume that's functional. Yeah, you you would probably be right. I, I would hope it is for because you know that's an air cooled car. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I just think it's cool. I wouldn't ever use one of these for its intended purposes, but I would definitely drive it around and go to shows because <laughs> <laughs> that thing is sweet looking. Yeah, it's it really is more of a show car than anything. But uh, yeah, it was getting bids uh, yesterday, so that's better than the TT. Yeah, the TT is a scary one, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I think you're in the right ballpark with that. I bet the TT goes reserve, not met. <laughs> Did it have one? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. All right. Anything else on our? Nah, on we should probably get to the topics, meat and potatoes. <laughs> you think twenty minutes is enough? Long enough of a icebreaker for people? <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh. Entrepreneurship is a fad. Oh, it is, huh? Yeah, I fell yeah, for it. Yeah, I, I, you fell for it? I fell for it multiple times. Okay. But I fell for it before it was a fad. Well, okay, so then you didn't fall for it for the fad. But I... I no, 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 but that, then I fell for it as a fad. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, because I tried to start six businesses in the last three years. Oh, uh, well, Some I of mean... Some were not successful. <laughs> I think the... I think there's a clear difference between what you were doing and what I would define as the fad. Shall I give you some examples of the fad? Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's see if I agree. Spend $997 on my Shopify millionaire course and learn how to make $20,000 per week selling products on Shopify. Yeah. What kind of products? (laughs) <laughs> oh, it doesn't even matter. I'm not even going to tell you. Uh, okay. I'll, pick, I'll hand select them for you. You'll make $20,000 a week. What could you do with $20,000 a week? Pretty significant. Man? It uh, is. Yeah. But but what I haven't told you is that's your gross sales three years from now, but you're going to make 1% profit. That sounds about right to what I did. So $200 a week, three years from now. Yeah. <laughs> all for the low low price of 990 uh, i mean i know what my margins were on an e-com drop shipish kind of business so <laughs> i'm following <All> right. <laughs> so. 
you could make up to $50,000 per deal flipping or wholesaling houses. Well, that statement just created an influx of realtors in the U.S. You can you can do it from your phone. You don't even uh, need to go knock on doors or anything. Do this from the comfort of your own home on your phone. That sounds terrifying. No, thanks. Okay. Uh, start renting your cars out today on Turo and drive Lamborghinis whenever you want. That I could make an argument for. It doesn't work. <laughs> I... I Dude, but there's no market here in Omaha for Turos. It's interesting. You can't get an insurance policy on these. <laughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I would rent out like maybe like Grand Cherokees or something, not a Lambo. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. There's a way to do Turo. I, 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 I know a business model that works. Just have to have some capital. Do I have to pay you $997 to learn about this business model? No. Is it $97? It'd be free for you. Uh -uh. (laughs) Aw. Discounted 100% from what that ends in 97. (laughs) Right. They all end in 97. Anyways, anyways, you get the point. There are probably thousands of courses like this on Mm -hmm. Instagram being advertised every single day for how to get rich with your own business Mm -hmm. and it's not a reality and all these people quit jobs that they're good at to pursue businesses that they're not good at yep and it doesn't work yeah and the only people making money are the ones that are charging you for these yeah they're the ones making the money and granted the right person with the right products, the right service, taking these courses may hit it big. There may be testimonials that that this that person hustled, they got it done, and they, they figured their shit out. But if you are not going to be motivated in the right mindset to do this, like you're going to close your doors within six months. I guarantee it. It's also just if you think you're going to get rich quick. That too, yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. So here's the reality. Those are are what the advertisements will tell you. That's what is appealing about leaving your job. That's what's appealing about working for yourself. You've got time freedom. You've got financial freedom. You do something that that you see opportunity in. It's exciting. You get to take ownership. Well, here's the reality. This is statistics from the internet, so you know they're they're factual. Ooh, Google statistics. 50, 50% of all new businesses fail in the first five years. I yep. actually thought that number was higher. I thought it would be a hair higher, but okay, I'll take it. Because of my businesses, over 50% failed in the first year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, maybe that's just me. Maybe I just suck, but... Some of my businesses worked out. The average small business owner in the U.S. makes less than $100,000 a year. And the reason it, I, I phrase it like that is because I Googled the statistic and it was anywhere from like $48,000 to $97,000. So I just yeah. under under $100,000, somewhere in there. Yeah. If you think you're going to go into this, you're going to be your own boss, you're going to get rich, you're going to have financial freedom, time freedom, life's going to be great. 
you're just going to suffer for a few years and then fail most of the time. You're, you're going to suffer and either not ever achieve the time and financial freedom that you're after, or you're just going to go back to a job with your tail between your legs. It probably had a lot of debt. Potentially in a lot of debt. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's the reality from my perspective is that you, to have your own business, you have all the risk, you've all the exposure to whatever you're delivering and whatever product service you're flipping, selling, offering, whatever it is. If somebody is unhappy with you or you screw something up, it all falls on you. You're the one who has to answer for it. There's no boss to point to. There's nobody to swoop in and save the day. You didn't know about the insurance policy that that company you were working for had to take out. So you were protected. You have to lead. You have to create everything in the company. You have to build a team. You have to create a system. You have to do everything to make it work. And it takes a lot. It takes a ton of work. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes a magnitude far greater than I'm aware of. Because I have not reached the level of success I want to yet. And I know I'm putting in a lot of work now. And I know <laughs> knowing what a bigger, more successful business than mine looks like. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of yeah. things to create and think about and mistakes to make and things to learn from those mistakes. And like I'm five years in now and just getting started. Right. I know that's true. And in order to make this something that you really build into a successful business that can give you that time and financial freedom that you're after. And yeah, there are people who find the right opportunity and they started a social media marketing company in 2017 and got 50 clients in their first two weeks because everybody signed up. They did all right. You've got people who are younger than us who are more successful than us and they put in less time. And sometimes they, they, they're, they're, people are just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time or they have the right backing or... Well, and they took they took the opportunity and they did yeah. put in the work to earn it as well. Yeah, like, they, I'm not they going saw, to discount yeah. that. Yeah, they saw an opportunity. They took it. Like, it's a lot of stuff that came out of the COVID years that I wish I would have known. <laughs> yeah, a lot of opportunity there. But in order to really make it sustainable, it's something you have to commit your life to pretty much. You're committing Mm -hmm. your time and effort pretty much all of the time to a business. If you don't do that, you're not going to be successful. That's what I've come to learn. Mm -hmm. If you don't commit all of your energy towards that business that you want to start, it's not going to be successful. You have to be passionate about it. That's the only way you're going to stick with it. And usually like what I'm, who I'm addressing right now is people who think that their job isn't what they should be doing and they really should be entrepreneurs. You're probably already quite successful with that company that you're in. And whether you get in early in that company or not, you can earn more than a business owner. Mm-hmm. You can, if you think about like a big company CEO, they make millions of dollars a year and they don't have that same kind of liability that you do as a business owner. They don't have that same kind of risk. They can go home at the end of the day and not think about work. So here's the specific 
concept that I want to make people aware of in talking about this that is worth highlighting, really. A business owner doesn't necessarily have to have any specific skill set. They just have to want to own a business. You can own a business tomorrow if you wanted to. It's not that hard. However, if you are a skilled employee with a role and responsibilities that you have to fulfill, those skills that you're applying are your value. You have a high amount of value in delivering those skills in your job role to create value for your company. That skill set has a market wage. That yep. skill set's worth something. Yep. Financial hard dollars. Yeah. And you can play games, you can you can ask for more, you can get you can move jobs around and keep getting poached and raise your salary that way. There's a lot of ways that you can change the market that you're in in order to get paid more. But the reality is that skill set's worth something. And you mm-hmm. can build on it and you can build on it a whole lot faster than five years from now before it finally starts coming around to success. Right. So that's something to think about is your alternative to starting a business is developing a skill set that's actually worth something because your business that you want to start may never be worth anything. To be profitable in a way that creates sustainable value for people is hard. To build a skill set that creates sustainable value for companies that allows you to earn a paycheck is not hard. And here's why. Because enough people have already become business owners. Yeah, I mean, uh, coming out of COVID years, I think it was like the highest influx of small businesses like ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about this, because now we have a huge labor shortage. Yep. Across the board. Across the board, we have a huge labor shortage and it's because everybody's out there trying to start their own thing because they think it's a better alternative to working for somebody else. Well, they like that idea of, well, I can come in at 10 and stay till three or I can, you know, come in at noon and stay at, stay till 10, you know. And you might be able to structure that in your current job. Right. (laughs) But The thing is, is right now there's a labor shortage pretty much across the board, whether you're talking about the medical medical field, professional services, consultants, accountants, sales, mechanic, sales, any sort of skilled trade, any sort of skilled trade is, is in dire straits for skilled labor. It is, it is super necessary to get into a skill because Mm -hmm. even like as a business owner, yeah, you don't need to know how to do anything except do shit. Like just do random shit, like form an LLC (laughs) (laughs) register for a business credit card or, you know, buy products on Alibaba and list them on Shopify. Maybe read a little bit about taxes. Maybe. (laughs) Well, but even that, like most people don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you talk about a guy that you know from you know your advising company that doesn't even look at his bank account 
Like, yeah. or like he doesn't yeah. balance it. He just, oh, I have money. I can spend this. Oh yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's most shop owners. Yeah. So, but, but that's the thing. Okay. So we've got a bunch of unqualified business owners. We have a bunch of job openings for skilled work. And we have a bunch of dissatisfied people. Mm-hmm. The grass isn't greener. <laughs> that's that's it. The grass isn't greener. And if you're, you know, tooling along at like your $4,000 a month net profit from your shitty little e-com business, you could go make $10,000 a month doing a skilled trade within a year. Yeah. And I will 100% echo with a rune. It is not always greener and in a lot of cases in business it's not as someone who's been there myself who's dealt with a lot of these issues of being in the unknown and not really understanding things that were going on like i i cannot echo a rune enough and that's why i tell a bunch of the the kids in the neighborhood you know (laughs) you don't want to go to school that's okay go do a trade you're gonna make a lot of money doing it and no debt learning how to make with those skills and you'll be satisfied. So this is yeah. something about the skilled trades that I really like is at the end, you've built something or you fix something mm-hmm. that's dope. Yep. You created something with skills. <laughs> yeah. And then by, by the time, say you graduate 18, you go into skilled trade by the time you're 30, you're a supervisor. You're not even doing the trade. You're telling people, you're telling other 18 year olds to do it. Like you're not even yep. working. You're just managing yep. at that point and making a killing. And the business owners of the skilled trade companies, this is the people who have historically been the fat cats in the office, printing money on the backs of people who needed to unionize, going back to the beginning of this podcast. Full circle. (laughs) Right? These are the people that needed to unionize because they were getting abused by their bosses and their company ownership. That's not the case anymore. Mm -mm. There are enough, and I don't like this word, but I'll use it in this instance, There are enough progressive business owners out there that recognize the labor shortage and the skilled trades and have structured their business in order to compensate you accordingly at the new market rate that I, (laughs) I've made offers to people who are younger than I was when I graduated from college for more than the current starting salary of the people graduating at 22 from college into the job that I had when I was 22. Yeah, and they're probably stoked. And they didn't go to college. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It it's great to see that and I can afford it. Mhm. Because I have a business that works around them doing good work. And if they take pride in their work and they do a good job, they get paid. It's great. <laughs> yep. So that's really all I have on this subject. It it just comes down to the fact that if you are able to recognize the fact that in order to create a business that can produce enough money for you to get you to be as successful as you could be in a shorter amount of time building up a skill set, would you still do it? I only did it because I couldn't find an employer that was doing what I wanted to do. 
I wanted to consult with my business skills to the automotive enthusiast aftermarket. And that company did not exist, so I made it. But I searched for that company first. And then I spent three years beating my head against the wall, giving away free work, making very little money, being stressed out all the time, making mistakes, having liability fall on my shoulders, getting in business disputes, getting kicked in the fucking nuts over and over and over again. And only now do I feel capable enough to handle those kind of situations, to be able to, I have enough resources in the bank that I'm not stressed out about money every day. This has taken me a very long time to build to this point and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, you know, the decision I'm going to have to make in the foreseeable <laughs> future of, you know, if Chrome Enhancements ever sells, what do I want to do after? Do I want to stick around and just be an employee to a bigger corporate fish again? Or do I want to move on and, and do it again? <laughs> Yeah, so. and that's where that's that's a good point is if you if you're really committed to a purpose, then you can find small companies that are engaged in that purpose and you can be bought in economically or just with the purpose that you have mm-hmm. into that company and you will derive so much more satisfaction from your work in doing so. Yeah. And and I'm like I'm one of those people when it comes to entrepreneurship, I like to build or or help somebody get to the next level. And maybe maybe that's my role after Chrome Enhancements in a few years. I, I don't know. It's a decision I'm going to have to make if that's you know the role I want to continue to make. and mm-hmm. Or I go work for uh, another big corporate company and I could probably still find satisfaction and just depending and, on what it, and, what it is. But the thing is, is also they're still building there too. Oh, yeah. If, mm-hmm. if there are a few companies where the corporate culture pushes people down yeah yeah it's get a bad really big corporate company (laughs) you could definitely get some uh yeah but that's usually down to like individual managers who are uh, yo 100 yeah it's just the fact that you you look at how it's been proliferated throughout the company and you can see Mm -hmm. yeah culturally okay this is just what we do right it's not good yep and then you leave and then that's how (laughs) how we were before we separated is like, Oh, this is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, do you have anything else on this subject today? No, I'm just really glad you brought, uh, the, the union stuff full circle on, <laughs> on me. I, I really, uh, really like that. And like I, I don't said, agree with a 32 hour work week. That's people I, not taking I pride in don't jobs. either. It, it We'll see how it pans out. But I, I do think, you know, when it comes to skilled labor, um, there are a lot of good unions out there, like the pipe fitters, the, you know, the masons, the iron workers, the welders, you know, there, there are good unions out there that protect their, their skilled workers and they get them paid. They get them um, paid and they, they find them work. Yeah. Cause a lot it, of those, a lot of those kind of jobs are independent contractors and, and they do a lot of training and, and there, there are some good, there is some good that comes out of them. And I didn't want to just demonize unions as a whole. I don't. Um, I just think what the, the auto workers are doing is a little nuts, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, as someone who's been dabbling in entrepreneurship, uh, probably at the most heavy it's ever been for me in the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely 
different than just being a regular salaried employee and you have to be willing to take risks, understand what that risk might mean, uh, whether it's good or bad and, and, uh, work the hours. You're not going to get away with, we're only working four hours a day. You're not getting away yeah. with it. Yeah. And that's you might okay. not get away with eight hours a day. Cause otherwise what the fuck are you doing with your life? Okay. I'm yeah, we're, we're going off. Okay. <laughs> if you, but, if you want to work less and you're young, what the fuck else are you doing? Right. Are you like spending three hours a day at the gym? Are, are you Some just might like, be. Yeah. are you just getting stoned and playing video games? Also are, probably an avenue. Yeah. Like I, I went to the gym at nine o'clock last night. I saw people like drinking energy drinks that should probably be illegal. They're like oh. 500 grams of milligrams of protein. I mean, oh, caffeine. Oh no. And then nine o'clock at night. I walk out in the parking lot and there's people just hotboxing their cars and there's a lot of steroids going on in the world right now. And I'm like, don't you, don't you just like work at AutoZone? Like, what the fuck are you doing? You probably, you probably wish you had a 32 hour work week working at AutoZone and you make like $3,000 a month. Like what, like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's not life. Find something that you want to contribute to society and go do that. (laughs) Go work on that. And if you don't know, then at least take enough pride to show the fuck up at work every day. Yep. Yep. Because what else are you doing? Life is not this, you know, meaningless thing that you're supposed to kill time to get through. Every second counts. Like, don't just sit there and hotbox your fucking car. That does not accomplish anything for anybody. No, and all it's going to do is open up life resentment for you later when you're a potato. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining one day you wake up and you're actually a potato. (laughs) Uh, They might be. They might be. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm so with you. Dude, and if I had an energy drink at 9 p.m. at night, I'd be awake until 9 p.m. the next day. Like, like I can't have caffeine past 11 a.m. If I do, I am so screwed. I'm like 2 p.m. That's yeah, my cutoff. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But that's all I had. Um, Other than um, how's the uh, driven community going? Good. We talked about how to get faster this week. What kind of fast are we talking? We're talking about racing. We talking about you'll you know, just have running. To, you know, you know, those lectures are about 10, 10 minutes <laughs> each time, and I post a YouTube video yep. in the Driven Network Discord group every week with a link to that YouTube video that you could watch, and then you would know. hey you know i'm just trying to give the listener some insight you know but hey if you are listening to this at this point and uh you do want to know about that lecture rune does post them in discord all the time and it's free to see them yep all you have to do is message us and you can find me and message me at arun d kumar on instagram or facebook and linkedin at arun kumar or if you want to, for some reason, show up in person to ask me to join the Driven Network, I usually hang out at Driven Auto Care in Fremont, California. Where can people find you, Dan? Um, well, I am 
Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn, the uh, best places to, you know, to message me. I'll, I'll respond there. Um, and then Instagram, I am Dan underscore LaRue. And, uh, you know, I might post some pictures there every now and then, but I, I, I do respond on and Instagram. So. September 23, we're going to see a TikTok from you. Shoot, it might be this weekend, to be honest with you. Oh, all right. Good. Yeah, I got that got that big event tomorrow. Yeah, good stuff. So there's going to be some <laughs> wicked stuff there. So uh, might be some content coming. Well, I've been really to... bad about photos and pictures over the last two years. I just... I've been, li- I've just been living life through my own eyes and my brain and not my screen on my phone. And it's just, I agree. And I, I feel like I've lived through events better doing that, which could be a whole different topic for a podcast another day. So. Mm-hmm. Andrew Tate said, it's okay to develop a phone addiction, but you have to develop it in terms of creating content, not consuming it. Yes. Mm-hmm. which most people are not doing but yeah it's an interesting perspective on it 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 kind of works if you think about it but i also just would rather not be looking at my phone that much well at the end of the day a phone was always a tool right not a life source <laughs> yeah not not the <laughs> dopamine hits but anyway yeah. like i said that is a whole nother topic for a different day <laughs> yeah well, okay, and Dan, so next week I'm hoping to get a presentation from the managing partner of a firm called Automotive Ventures, and it was all about the future of cars. Okay. And that's what I want to talk about next week. So to our listeners, we appreciate you. And we appreciate you sharing the show and leaving reviews and staying involved and messaging us with feedback and any of that kind of stuff. And that's all we offer today. So this has been Arun and Dan. Stay tuned until next week to learn more about the future of cars as we know them today. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, stay driven. <laughs>